This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? dramatic or like sort of understated or what this is a land that prays for a hero the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival you are listening to greening the apocalypse on triple r102.7 fm welcome 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 to this week's edition of Greening the Apocalypse, Triple R's uh, dose of upbeat pessimism <laughs> about the future and a little bit of nuanced optimism about what we can do about it, yeah? Uh, well, Bushy's away. He's on the mount. He is uh, transforming his permaculture rough and ready homestead into a venue worthy of a wedding. He'll have to send us photos when he has like a home and garden style permaculture pad i should introduce you sarah coles how are you you're, you're doing warm-up exercises yeah i um i went for a run you know how i broke my toe yeah it's, sausage, it's become known as sausage toe for the record today i, I took it for a spin around the block <laughs> it was okay yeah which is good because the pool's full of idiots and every time I go to the pool, I get kicked out lately because there's a lightning storm <laughs> and it's the law that everyone has to get out of the pool. But pretty much if you did get hit by lightning in a pool, you'd probably transform into fishwoman. It would be Thor, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's just frustrating. So I'm looking forward to switching it up from the pool full of idiots to running at night with no one around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how does your sausage toe handle that? if i'm in denial or if it's okay it's a road to healing yeah jogging and uh jed mccartney how are you doing i'm well i'm well thanks adam maybe you'd get web feet if you got hit by lightning in a pool <laughs> that would be good actually i got really mad if the, if she's listening i'm sorry to the pool person at northcote pool the lifeguard <laughs> you didn't punch her like a shark i just was outraged i was 25 laps in and she told me to get out and i got all oh i was horrible i got a bit righteous like okay is it the council law is it the ymca whose policy is this and she's only quite young and is it actually dangerous does seem like outdoors well, lightning because no, then i went home water and body get, and googled it and i can't find anything about someone being hit by lightning in a pool because of responsible pool staff that's right i thought that but i went back to before the law came into place Hmm. thank you very much so no that's not it at all Hmm. i think it is a very rare thing and that maybe i should be allowed to sign a waiver on my way in yeah yeah uh well we also have a guest in the studio but we'll introduce him in a moment uh we're not going to talk about him we're going to talk about somebody else now, if, I'm going to do a bit of a long-winded intro here. Are you guys prepared for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, my little social media bubble, you know, the, that window on the world, there's kind of like a second massive cult of personality in the US at the moment, one pretty much on the scale surrounding the president himself. 
Almost out of nowhere, his barely one-decade-old electric vehicle company Tesla became worth more than $60 billion, which eclipsed both the Detroit motor giants, GM and Ford. And he's kind of promising to make America great again, maybe even Earth great again. Last year, he was ranked by Forbes as the 21st most powerful person in the world, and his technologically clean and green sci-fi-like visions of the future that radiate out of his every tweet and high-profile public event and product unveiling combined with his shy Silicon Valley Valley billionaire persona create a fervor around everything he does. I'm talking, of course, about Elon Musk. Most people will know his name, but if you're coming in late... Uh, he got rich as the founder of the internet banking startup X.com, which merged to become PayPal. When eBay bought it, he invested the money from that into two seemingly crazy business ideas for an IT geek, Tesla Electric Vehicles, which became the first publicly listed US car company in 50 years, and also the rocket company SpaceX, which now gets massive NASA and commercial contracts to put satellites in space. He became known as a model for Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark in Iron Man, and that's when his star, his celebrity CEO, started rising. And he's become much more than that, though. He's a futurist and a thought leader and one who is deeply driven by his desire. In fact, his biography calls it his raison d'etre to help humanity leave Earth and become an interplanetary species. Visitors to the SpaceX headquarters find two giant posters of Mars leading up to Musk's office. The poster to the left shows Mars as we know it now, a cold, barren red sphere. The poster on the right shows Mars with a massive green landmass surrounded by beautiful blue oceans. (laughs) The love of Musk has spawned things like cottage industries making Save Us Elon t-shirts, like multiple people doing that, or WWED, What Would Elon Do?, or Elon Musk for president, take us to the take humanity to the stars. I showed you guys some comments under YouTube, didn't I? That was um, the video is called Elon Musk: How I Became the Real Iron Man. Should I read a few? Yep. They really capture the spirit around the guy. Alexander writes, "I'm getting the chills. I'm almost tearing up. I've only known about this man for a month. <laughs> now that I do, the world seems like a much better place. He gives me hope." He shows us what a single man with a vision can do, and he lets us dream of what we can do as a whole. If there is one inspiration for me, it's him. Tequila says, People are going to look back on this guy like how we look back on the greats like Albert Einstein. I hope we do. These are, these are unfiltered. These are just top comments. Monkey D. Luffy says, One of the few billionaires that deserves every single penny. And Evan Levin says, Musk has set the human species ahead centuries. But some of Musk's proclamations seem ridiculous, like a recent announcement that he's going to have human-to-human telepathy devices on the market within four years, like a technology that doesn't even exist yet. And some of the actual products he promotes, like the battery pack, the Powerwall, seem to be not so much a, mass, a massive breakthrough as a slickly re-promoted versions of already existing products. And his businesses are often courting with bankruptcy. He has a really long history of it, which he seems to stave off in part by making ever more fantastical promises of things that will be produced in the near future. All this belief in Musk has seen Tesla Inc. becoming valued at about the same as GM and Ford. 
But in 2016, General Motors sold about 10 million cars, while Tesla, riddled with production bottlenecks, delivered under 80,000. So that's one car that Tesla delivered for every 125 that GM did. So is Musk, um, this once heavily bullied kid actually, simply carried away by comic book fantasies and buoyed by a public too desperate for some good news in a cynical age, or is he truly a visionary genius reinvigorating can-do capitalism for an age of climate change? Is he an Iron Man or simply an overconfidence man? Well, maybe some combination of, of both. We're going to discuss all these things and more. Since I'm kind of... I'm mostly exposed to the... On my Facebook feed is just all the rah-rah side of it. You know, the visionary genius side. We thought we'd we'd invite in a friend of both minus Sarah's, but a player hater. <laughs> I'm sorry to introduce you as that, but... We're probably going to get, we all, might all get, you know, a little bit of blame, you know, a little bit of that heat. Raphael Schutten, who is an ecologist, you're doing a, your master's in something that combines plant physiology and climate data and computer models. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah at Melbourne I'm Uni. Also a geographer. And a really, geographer. Yeah. You earn your... Computer nerd. Too. Yeah, you're also a computer <laughs> nerd. You earn your money as a programmer and, and occasionally as an agroforester. And you've been involved in things like novel plants we had chris williams on last week who into that kind of business you've been involved in social enterprise startups yeah i have or at least one yeah, i shouldn't pluralize and managing community gardens and uh you're just a pretty damn clever sharp-minded skeptic of anything that sounds too good to be true uh so i feel like you're a perfect person to come and cast some shade <laughs> when we were pitching, thank you for the honor when we were pitching you to the station to get you on we said he doesn't suffer fools <laughs> yeah people people have said that about it works in some situations maybe not so good at parties i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well so we're going to talk about things like where his finances are at, how he makes money. We're going to talk about a few of his existing products and some of his ideas and for future ones, including the... Sarah, you're going to talk a little bit more about the Neuralink. The I'm just going to do one. telepathy to the people listening. I'm not going to speak. Nice. It's <laughs> going to be subtle. <laughs> yeah, dead air. We'll s- doesn't go down that well with management. And we'll have a think about the whole kind of cultural phenomenon that makes him such an incredible force. So we're going to cover all those things, but let's just hear a little bit first. And Jed, are you ready for me to play a clip here? This is from Elon's latest public announcement of a new Tesla model, a new Roadster, just a few days ago. We can watch this together. So you guys see that? So we're looking at this um, shipping container or something (laughs) with a smoke machine. Beastie Boys are playing. Sabotage. And in the dark... And the light slowly coming on now is revealing kind of super slick red sports car. I mean, it's actually beautiful. There's no, you can't see any door handles. Looks like a beetle. Because they're magical door handles that pop out when you approach the car. And here's Elon. We'll be the fastest car, production car ever made, period. And, um... This is the ba- this is the base model. Okay, this is the base model. We're going to talk about things beyond base. Maybe next year, sometime. This is the base model. The base model will do zero to sixty in one point nine seconds. Okay. It'll 
That is, that is the fastest. This will be the first time that any car has broken two seconds at zero to 60. All right. And there's like thousands of people there cheering. So that just the kind of uh, atmosphere at his press releases is, well, no pun intended, but completely electric. He should have played Lithium by Nirvana. People. <laughs> Zero to 60 Reference. under two seconds. I love it already. Yeah. I hate it. I don't care about it. Get a bike already. So I think that roadster is a long way from uh, even being publicly available and it's not even clear if the battery technology has been invented yet for it to do the distance he Yeah, it's quite says. mythical. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it will should we hear just another little bit from him about his vision for making life multiplanetary? This just goes for a minute. This is one you guys suggested. Please join me in welcoming Elon Musk. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right, so uh, welcome everyone. And I'm going to talk more about uh, what it takes to become a multi-planet species. And I'm, just, to, just a brief refresher on why this is important. I think fundamentally the future is vastly more exciting and interesting if we're a space-faring civilization and a multi-planet species than if we're not. Uh, it, you want to be inspired by things. You want to wake up in the morning and think the future is going to be great. Uh, and that's what, uh, what being a space-faring civilization is all about. It's about believing in, in the future and, and thinking that the future will be better than the past. Um, and I can't think of anything more exciting than going out there and being among the stars. That's why. So, <laughs> and he goes on to talk about, with lots of CGI graphics, about uh, his plans, fairly early stage, but for getting actual people, not just... A, a, city. a handful, but a city, on Mars. a city on Mars. Yeah, yeah. I would love to know what David Attenborough makes of Elon Musk. That's an aside, but because Attenborough can find interesting things on Earth, he doesn't have to go. Sorry. Yeah, continue. yeah. Well, yeah, but he's so. Elon captures people's imagination like no other CEO, even more than Steve Jobs, what I'd say. What about Jed? And part, <laughs> and part of um, that, he manages to translate into this incredibly, well, some people would say incredibly overvalued stock. Raf, I know you've been researching into how the monetary side of Elon's businesses work. Besides, like that kind of huge valuation which is somehow based on this cult of personality and un underneath it this vision of the future that we're going to space in this clean green way he also takes a lot of government subsidies as well right yeah like because of this cult status that he has um really everyone seems to be interested in giving him money to be part of that that dream it seems like so he's getting funding from federal governments in the, in the United States, but also from a lot of states. He just got $750 million from New York State to build a factory. They're basically just building a factory for free mm. for solar cities, like no costs, no yeah. rental costs. It's yeah. quite incredible. Um, he's got about $4.9 billion all up in the last few years, f mostly for Tesla, yeah. um, but just spread across the, the various companies he has. Yeah. So I guess that, you know, that's part of the US wanting to rebuild a manufacturing base and putting some money into it. Not necessarily a bad thing, but um, yeah. worth noting, he also takes pre-orders for his products. So 
Yeah, that's another way that he's he's making money. He's got he has a lot of methods for generating wealth without giving anything back, which is really interesting. Like not no one else can get away with this. He's asks for money years in advance of buying a car, like up to $250,000 years in advance. So it's basically an interest-free loan that Tesla gets to use however they want in mm. the interim. Um, in some cases for a car that's not really clearly defined what it will be yet, like the yeah. Roadster, it's the actual the one in that video is not really it can't physically have the amount of batteries it says it has at the current volume. So that's quite creative financially to sell that ahead of time. Yeah. And at the moment, is he making or losing money? I know it's been different in different quarters, but generally it's not. They're pretty much always losing money. Pretty much all of his companies are losing money. SpaceX is hard to tell because it's private, but Tesla has lost money every year. Two years ago, it was like 800 million, and they think it might be, it's about the same this year as well, like $800 million Hmm. in a year. They've never made any money. Hmm. Um, But that could be put down at this stage into like... Startup startup phase. Yeah, Yeah, he's sort of at a semi-mature but still fairly early stage. I mean, he essentially did what nobody thought he could do, which was launch a car company in the US. And within, yeah, 12 or 13 years, he's competing, not in volume, but (laughs) in stock price with the big boys. His stock price is just worth 100 times more than everyone else's per car sold. Yeah, which is really a very interesting situation. Yeah, so I don't. I don't think it's. I just read his um, biography, which is called uh, by Ashley Vance, Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the Quest for a Fantastic Future. And it's an awesome book, actually. I really enjoyed it. It's definitely by someone who believes in him, but it's warts and all. And one of the things that I think has caused his success is what he did is he brought Silicon Valley kind of like the work ethic that only young people with on a mission can have. And he, he picks young engineers, hopefully without families. In fact, was, if they do have families, he berates them for caring about them. Like he <laughs> told some guy off for... Push going, him aside. Yeah, for going to, to his um Which is a little bit of a cult birth. strategy, actually. Yeah, and, and said, you know, get your priorities straight kind of thing. But he infuses them with this spirit of like this. Is, we're doing something bigger than just building a car or a rocket ship. We're talking about the future of the human race here, and gets them to work. You know, fifteen-hour days, kind of thing, and best and brightest. And yeah, it's a intense. And it's kind of like the he expects everybody to be like him, and he is incredibly smart and um, very good at visualizing how the components of things work and so he can stay on top of he, he, he doesn't suffer fools and he makes everybody work as hard as he does and he's really like drawing out this I think it is a reinvigoration of, of, of a corporate structure and he's going up against these monoliths that are aging and, and in the space industry uh, government uh, entities and showing them up for having some slow processes and and messy structures and and being a bit outdated and so i think there's a lot to give him credit for there but at the end of the day those financials are incredibly scary and i think i read somewhere he was losing tesla was losing eighty thousand dollars a minute at the moment i think it's half a million dollars an hour something like that um they are slated to run out of money sometime early next year but 
you know, there's a lot of ways that they're getting more money to come in continually. So well, he, that's really the game. Yeah, if you can get it in faster than you so lose it. So lucky I, over the past with both SpaceX and Tesla. Just reading the history of them, where he was so close to bankruptcy several times, but just uh, lucky things have happened, like government contracts or um, other. Get talking investors into it through his charisma and vision. The grand vision helps. Yeah. Like, this is the guy that's going to Mars. Yeah. Give him some money. I right, wonder well, how much money he makes from merchandise. Because you can buy luggage well, tags from he, the SpaceX website. He just started selling... You know, he's got a company called The Boring Company. He just sold uh, $300,000 worth of caps that just say The Boring Company on them. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Green the Apocalypse on 3 Triple R. We're going to talk about a few of the different projects that Elon Musk and his various companies have on the go. And go, are they are they visionary? Are they crackpot? Are they somewhere in between? Um, many people who have called him crackpot have been proven wrong in the past. Let's go. Let's go through a few of them. His a lot of his business is based around lithium-ion batteries, a particular battery technology which is the same thing that most of our mobile phones run on, but including the Powerwall, including the massive battery bank that went in in South Australia a few days ago, delivered um, by <coughs> Tesla. What You looked at that one, Sarah Coles. What I, was your take? Yeah, so Musk was on Twitter and then he makes a bet that he could build the world's largest lithium-ion battery in yep. the world, in South Australia, because there were all these blackouts there and he was watching it on the news or something. And he said he'd do it in 100 days or he'd pay for it. And, yeah, he made the deadline. Yep. Um, they've finished installing it. And it, I'm just not sure about it because it just says that it's going to stabilise the South Australian grid and supply enough power for 30,000 homes for one hour, which doesn't seem like that much. Yeah, he got a lot of press for that internationally when it's... It's not a, one of the more populous states in Australia, and, then, and it's just a tiny fraction of the population there. Yeah, and then didn't did you see what Barnaby Joyce said about that? No, he was saying, um, no, was it you, Raf? You were telling me about it. Yeah, he said it's like a grain of sugar in the in the teaspoon. But, you know, <laughs> it's still good. You still want one more grain, but you yeah. know. Yeah, it was funny. I think he was promoting coal as well in the same yeah, sentence, right. but yeah, yeah. it's. Fairly accurate in terms of the numbers. So the thing I was wondering about, I just got to thinking, is the lithium going to run out? So um, the US Geological Survey looked at this and said that in 2015, they said there's enough left to last 365 years. Mm -hmm. But then if what Elon Musk and Leonardo DiCaprio are saying is true (laughs) in a conversation... It's, I've got it here. Elon, we did the calculations. What would it take to transition the whole world to sustainable energy? What kind of throughput would you actually need? You need 100 gigafactories. Leonardo DiCaprio, 100 of these? Elon, yes, 100 of these. And they go on. So the so gigafactory is... The gigafactory um, is... It's like a lithium-ion uh, factory that he's building in the US. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's 100 of them, it means there's only going to be 17 years worth of lithium left. So if he isn't lying, we run out anyway. Right. That's all. So yeah. that's what I was thinking about. Mm. Okay. But also, probably not short-term challenges, but if, if we were to transform the whole economy, There problems. could be short-term challenges because lithium extraction is very dangerous to the environment. Okay. Oh, okay. Well... Let's, um, I, I don't know, so crackpot or not, I, I'm sort of on the, f- I mean, obviously it's a proven technology, but, you know, scalability, I, I'm on the fence, yeah. like, I don't know from what we've heard. I don't think it's crazy, but nah. it might not 
solve all the world's problems. Yeah, it's just storage, Probably it's won't. not generation. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, I looked into... Oh, Jed? No, no, I was just going to say, for me, the usefulness of this was that it proves that there are other technologies other than coal that will maybe solve the problem and that you can do them quickly yeah so it just takes it's an the, example one takes the wind out of the, the yeah. sail of the the massive bloody coal push yep uh i looked into solar tiles so he um tesla acquired solar city uh last year Elon musk was actually involved in the in the founding of that uh, and it specialized in installing solar energy on people's rooftops tops and um, renting it out and not long after that, they announced their plans for photovoltaic solar roof tiles, which he installed on a desperate housewife, set these beautiful black shiny glass tiles over this house. They're a long way off from actually broad um, availability, even though he started taking $1,000 deposits on pre-orders back in May. The price of them, they've released some prices, but he was claiming initially that it would cost less than just getting normal tiles on your roof. And you'd have these beautiful dark glass uh, solar PV tiles, which you'd put with your power wall, your battery, and generate enough electricity to pay back the cost of your roof over 30 years and, and then make a little profit. The people that have crunched the numbers are saying uh, it's not you know that good actually you're off you're a lot better off putting regular tiles or some other kind of roofing and then getting traditional solar panels on at this stage and possibly indefinitely so it's definitely it seems to be about the aesthetic it looks pretty cool yeah um and it could be a kind of status thing oh you just have regular old solar panels (laughs) Um, i also find it strange putting this like short life degradable technology on a tile that would otherwise last forever basically yeah well so they don't break easily but they do degrade in their photovoltaic quality so by the end of that 30 years they're kind of negligible in their solar panels. yeah and you'll have to put some regular tiles on top of them anyway yeah i mean regular solar panels or replace them at that point yeah which is yeah a lot of of material inputs compared to a normal tile if you have to replace actual tile yeah you just go to mars at that point though (laughs) <laughs> You're like, the tiles are stopping working. Let's go to I'm a done new plan. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I'd say about that one. It's like, it's it kind of looks sleek. I don't really like the fact they're black roof tiles. That, but I, I hate going to the suburbs and you see black roofs because that's terrible. Like, for you need so much insulation because your roof space gets so hot. So, that's kind of, maybe it's better having just elevated solar panels. So, I'd say yeah. not bullshit entirely, but... There's other companies already doing it. Yeah, it's not as big a deal as the hype surrounding it. How do we feel? Yep. Yep. The other one, I looked into Hyperloop as well. So this is one that was announced with great fanfare recently. It's, um, It's one where he's talking about these underground tunnels that would connect go between cities in the US in where you'd have this vacuum tube so there'd be hardly any air in there and these little mini trains would would go on these like uh, hockey pucks that have air coming out of them or out of the tracks so they would float and they'd go faster than jet planes or supersonic speeds almost um what if someone spews in one of those things yeah (laughs) there's not much air and what if they stop in the middle of nowhere because there's no air outside so i have a panic attack on just like the south meringue line yeah i would lose it in that thing 
So there's a lot of people investing money in this. He made the plans open source for the for the vehicles, and then um, Virgin Richard Branson has come in and funded a project called Hyperloop One. Um, so people are taking this really seriously. There are concerns that a little bit of shifting in the Earth's crust and you, you, these supersonic things just tiniest little bumps become really massively exaggerated so yeah um, especially in california yeah yeah <laughs> so I, I i'm not sure like people people with a lot of money are taking it seriously but i'm i actually feel like this is never going to happen that's my that's my gist infrastructure yeah the cost of infrastructure would be massive wouldn't it yeah yes. so much earth mm. to move so his part of his plan is and his only involvement he he wants to have in it is to be digging the holes with his company called the boring company yeah but I, i'm feeling like that one's a, a little bit comic book fantasy but it might could be proved wrong there i'm not confident on it I think maybe some very rich people will be able to go very fast, but that will probably end up just like Concord did. Doesn't yeah. really last. Um, yeah, not really a good idea. Yeah, too fast is difficult. Yeah, yeah, doesn't work out. Yeah, I think he will get hoisted on his own petard. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about. So, Raf, you looked into going to Mars. Oh, I looked into the cars first. Maybe we'll. Um, oh yeah. Keep maybe, it. Well, we've only. Can we skip that one? All right, we can skip that one. Yeah, All right. um, yeah Mars. I was going to have this this contrast of reasonably sane ideas, and <laughs> <laughs> now there's no contrast. Okay, so I don't think like it's possible we could send someone to Mars. It's like sending someone to the moon. It's a bit crazy. They don't stay there for long. It's pretty weird, but it's probably cool because <laughs> you know it's an experience. Um, that's you know that's doable. There's a lot of people talking about that, but. Building a whole city on Mars with a million people, that has got to be in the crazy category for a number of reasons that I'll spell out. So the atmosphere is so thin on Mars that water boils, even though it's minus 50 degrees. So any water boils. Like if you were standing there, the water on your tongue would boil out of your mouth. Um, it's, but it's way colder than Antarctica. It would be like drinking, like trying to scull coke oh, yeah you? but it would be the coke would be <laughs> your saliva boiling out of your mouth as you drink <laughs> your, it your body would boil yeah your body you'd slowly bo- get it go inwards and you'd be boiling wouldn't be hot boil though i don't know what that would feel like um <laughs> the water that isn't boiling is ice and it's in mixed in the dirt in really low quantities and it's poisonous and toxic because the soil is full of perchlorates which also means you can't grow anything there because the soil is toxic because there's not enough atmosphere to stop the uv, UV rays hitting the ground uh, and making it toxic. Very, very um, bad skin Yeah, on, on Mars. It's a lot of ways. Like, you're, you're not going to be growing very potatoes dry there. You, that you that whole potato growing scene in that movie people might have seen. Yeah, shit potatoes. Yeah, shit potatoes. First, you'd need way more area. There's not much light there either. It's like living in northern Greenland all the time, except way more cold. Yeah, um... Again, there's no atmosphere. Like, you die really quickly if there's a leak in anything, in your house, in your suit. Like, yeah. One, of the, one of the things, I like to holiday in places where there's atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, Do you have to live underground, then? 
Yeah, or, you know, they propose some kind of bubble structure. Like a sealed, a vacuum sealed structure. Yeah. And so pressure, it's going to be pressurised. Does the air come from Earth in a ship? Yeah, they talk about, like, grinding the rocks to get oxygen, but then how do you get the energy to grind the rocks? You need solar panels, but the light's not very strong, and you've got to live at the poles where the ice is. So, like, this... I think at the end of the day, we can <laughs> declare Mars a really shit planet. It's yeah, a why, shit planet, why, like... Why, why, why didn't, didn't they pick a better planet? Yeah, yeah why did he choose Mars rather than the moon? It's the best... Out of all the other planets. All yeah. the other planets are worse. All the other the planets moon's are sh- made of cheese, so it's structurally unsound. A complete ass. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we're just probably not going to be a multi-planetary species because Earth Aww. is really good. Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah, that idea, crazy. Yeah. So, I don't know, should we... We could record a little bit extra for the podcast and talk about the the Neuralink and the things there. Or do you want to do it now, Sarah Coles? It's um, pretty fascinating. Oh mind briefly dipping into Neuralink. Yeah, this is his telepathy machine. um, He's the CEO of Neuralink, a consensual telepathy company. So in 2014, he started freaking out about artificial intelligence. I think Mm. he watched Total Recall or something. Like he just watched too many movies and lost his shit. I feel with him on this one. And he thinks humans might be doomed if we start making machines that are smarter than us. Did you hear our show on this? Uh, I was there, yeah, but you guys were egg-heading out and I stopped listening. Oh, yeah. Um, but, so he's got this startup that aims to make technology that will involve implanting tiny brain electrodes that one that may one day upload and download thoughts. It is registered as a medical tech company. And he tweeted in March, long Neuralink piece coming out on Wait But Why in about a week. Difficult to dedicate the time, but existential risk is too high not to. Wait But Why is an, is an internet comic. Yeah, that's who he decided to break the news to and explain <laughs> it. In the interview with Wait But Why, he said that his attempt to sound the alarm on artificial intelligence didn't work, so he decided to try to develop um, artificial intelligence in a way that will be positive for the world. So he's building these things that connect your brain to a computer. And he says initially it could repair brain injuries, cancer lesions and help people with disabilities. Progress is slow because implanting tiny electrodes in the brain is dangerous. Although there is technology now where they do that for people who have Parkinson's. Hmm. Something sort of like that already. But presumably the level he's talking about, you have to communicate with individual neurons and millions of them if you want to reconstruct a thought. Yeah, That's like so many tiny wires in your head. That just seems like mind-boggling. Yeah, he said that... um, No pun intended. ...that it would need (laughs) to simulate one million brain neurons before the interface could be built. So if current rates of progress hold, it won't reach that milestone until 2100. Oh, yeah. What about his four-year promise? It's not really... Current it's rates kind of, aren't going to hold. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, you know, this thing doesn't make sense for me on an existential level because digital technology can be hacked. So he's saying that you have this thing where you, um, he's complaining because speech and typing is too slow. So he wants to have two brain interfaces where you have uncompressed direct conceptual communication with another person, mm. which might be good in an argument with a partner. You can just be <laughs> like down like poof, and just hit them with all this stuff at once. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just think Fully. like we can be hacked and computers crash and snow Five Eyes, blah blah. Like, I don't want my. I don't want to upload my brain to the cloud and then it gets hacked by something. Yeah, that just sounds like I'll get enslaved. 
Yeah. That sounds scarier than the artificial intelligence that he's scared of. Yeah, I feel ya. Yeah, good. So this one I call baloney on Oof. this big time. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit on this one too. Not not even for the... I, I, don't, I, I don't even think it's possibly possible to have that kind of level of intervention inside a brain without destroying it. Yeah, the brain's pretty messy. It's yeah. really messy biology in there. Yeah. And we don't understand it yet. So how do you understand where you've got to put all these links? Yeah. yeah. I think he was saying it wouldn't go... Uh, I thought he was saying something about the spinal cord in one oh, of his interviews. Oh, just tap in there. Because the neurons are in that. Uh, like that USB on the back of the neck. Oh, picture. so you could... Be something like that. Mm. You could send yeah, sensory great. data, but you, but you couldn't send much else. Anyway, far beyond us to, <laughs> you know... He's a smart guy. Maybe he has something up his sleeve. He's th- the guy that's going to Mars, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so... it's so So one thing that we can say, whether or not we believe in the viability of these things that every one of these announcements where he's doing something where he's actually done some really impressive things in challenging the u.s car market and um getting rockets to work with startup fucking capital and engineers that hadn't done it before half the time and okay poached a lot of good ones from other companies too but he's achieved some amazing amazing things and when he makes these more out there remarks um it's pretty hard for an outsider to um to filter them from from the other things and he has credibility to back them up and part of it creates this fantastical aura where we believe that almost you know something that's disappeared since the 80s that the future might be a nice place not nice but like fucking fantastic full of cool toys and we're not going to screw up the planet in the process and there is a deep desire, and I feel it, to want to believe that. And yeah, I it's think like some 1950s good times beliefs, like. And even some of the, <laughs> even some of the SpaceX um, posters they've made are that retro futurism that's 1950s, early 60s style. And then Buzz Aldrin went crazy, made an error fit, and became an alcoholic. <laughs> Didn't work out. It could out. happen to an entire generation of <laughs> yeah. Mars astronauts. There'll be this really cool exercise equipment <laughs> afterwards. I reckon you're right, though. That's his beauty. Is that, yeah. you know, electric cars were not cool, and now they're cool because they go not to 100 in under two seconds. You know, yeah. so he's taken stuff that we were sceptical about and made some people believe in them, and so. Well, that's a good thing, and you know, it's like I was saying before, he he proves that some of this technology can be done mm. if we want to. Yeah, so. and I, I I think part of that's real, and he has achieved some really incredible things. But the phenomenon that is bigger than that is something which I think goes back to the that kind of baseline cynicism, which is and the loss of the you know the industrial jobs, the blue collar jobs that they're. they're the same phenomenon that gave rise to Trump, mm. and and he's 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 turning that cynicism and and that loss of hope in the future into personal power by reigniting it, and whether that proves to be a good thing or not depends on what happens with him because if his companies fail, it will be sad to see all those those hopes you know fall in a heap. Uh, yeah, like we won't be getting our jetpacks again. Yeah. We've already gone through that once. And <laughs> <laughs> but do you think it's also fair to question, like I, I was thinking of the metaphor that we're in this terrible fossil fuel powered car and we're heading towards this 
brick wall of the limits to growth, the amount of pollution that we're pumping out and the, and the loss of resources of fossil fuels and all the other you know, loss of species and things. And it seems like as a culture we can't find the brakes you know, we can't get a carbon tax or this or draw down. Car- we can't. We, j- we just seem to be heading towards this wall. And so it's like he's got his engineers to start turning it into solar and, and uh, electric, but he's still not slowing down. I mean, there's still these, these limits which aren't going away. Like he's, he hasn't created closed system things. He's actually going faster. And it's like he wants us to, to reach escape velocity and get over the wall. And it seems yeah, like a as a culture, that's chicken. what we're doing. Yeah, a global scale chicken. And, and he's really the embodiment of what we're doing as a society is, is that we can't find the brakes. And he's iconic of that. And at least he's trying, to, he's trying to make things a bit greener. But whether or not that model of go faster, more technology is going to be the model that actually works because i don't know i mean there's a lot of embedded energy in a in a solar car maybe this is one of the things you researched raf we didn't get to talk about yeah there's there's even more than in a normal car yes so it's like you still have all of those problems in just the same way but just with this label of greenness and it does use a bit less energy afterwards when it's used but it's it's not going to save the world or stop this trajectory we're on he, yeah. He's sort of feeding the hope for that model we talked to Shona about the other week, where you know, exactly. the, the middle class model of you can have it all still. So, you yeah. know, with you, even you, cooler consumer. Yeah, course. you're not going to have to give up anything. You're just yeah. going to change from a, a petrol car to one of his whiz bang supercars. Yeah, mm. even faster. Yeah, be even better. Yeah. yeah. And you might be able to go live on Mars too if you feel like it. Yeah. You know. Only that when you saying that. There's a bit of a class thing going on with that, though. Yeah, well, that's one of my worries as well. We, like, a lot of these ideas are sold on the premise that eventually they'll trickle down and everyone will be able to afford these batteries and these cars. But even the cheap car that's coming out now is not cheap. This is How not like is a Corolla it? or something. It's like 35000 US minimum, or it'll be like 60000 oh, yeah. Australian, fifty five, but probably $10,000 more for what most people would actually buy because it's a very baseline. And even same with the Hyperloop and all these things, like the tag that's put on them originally is low, but probably they're actually going to be really expensive. So it's like, are we creating this kind of Elysium dynamic where we have this rich upper class with all these cool toys as the rest of the world goes to shit? Like, is that actually what he's selling and getting government subsidies to mm. do? Which, that makes the whole thing really problematic if that's the end outcome. But we, we don't know yet whether it's just yeah. startup costs you have to sell to the, to the rich and later on you can bring costs down, but history will tell us. Yeah, well, Tesla do sell premium cars, but who knows what they'll be in 10 years. Mm. Um, one thing I will say is that reading the biography, I really am, was impressed by the way he got like competent people to work together like they're in an emergency situation and problem solve and figure figure out problem after problem be it engineering or financial or marketing or um, transport lines and that was really inspiring and I feel like we are in an emergency situation and having that vision of the future if, even if we question it um, is part of his power and I'm wondering what, what vision we would have to replace it if we can't if we don't think space travel's realistic, to or at least sorry, space setting up a, a, a Mars colony, yeah, you've almost got to go beyond the achievable, so that 
we get to the achievable. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, shit, we shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question whether like realistic dreams are motivating or not. Yeah. You know, we're going to make life on Earth like vaguely livable for the next few hundred years. <laughs> Rally together. <laughs> no one's going to want that T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, there's, what's a, there's a book about like fumbling to sustainability or something, which kind of captures the spirit of how we might <laughs> likely get there. You know, it's like it's not... It's not necessarily going to be as shiny and beautiful and neat all the time as as his pristine visions. And that might not make everyone work 16-hour days. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than your saliva boiling in your mouth and you've accidentally <laughs> got a hole in your spacesuit. Um, still, there's a lot to be said for, like, you know, the permaculture type inspired and transition type inspired visions of the future, which we often promote on this show. And I think that <laughs> when we talk about the lifestyle benefits that we personally felt from going in that direction, and there's a lot to be said there. You're on Green the Apocalypse on 3RRR, and we're commencing the wrap-up. We've been talking about Elon Musk, Iron Man, or confident overconfident man, <laughs> kind of shamster or big kid with comic book ideas we're not sure where did you guys come down cult leader (laughs) (laughs) definitely a cult leader but for better or worse cult brand yeah he's all right probably a little bit crazy yeah we'll do some good things probably won't do a lot of the other things yeah if how many how many things do you think he has to get right for his legacy to be considered a good one? I reckon like ten percent. People will just forget all the other weird stuff. I know. I found it so of hard. The genius of it. Remembering all the crazy yeah, know, things he promised fade away. Like, yeah, yeah. But people will still remember it like he did those things too. Unless he gets <laughs> telepathy, and then we'll all be enslaved. <laughs> Jed. What? I like that he's inspiring us to dream because I'm old enough to remember when we went to the moon. Yeah. So for you guys, that's. That's a fact, you know. So I can remember back in those days when, oh, wow, we actually might get a man on the moon. And uh, that was like a big dream. So yeah. I think, you know, you've got to have some big dreams. Even feels if, like a return. Even if you don't get them. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the stuff that falls out of those is often useful to us. So mm. I think he's a bit of everything and, you know, good on him. Definitely a complex character. <laughs> Thank you, Raphael, Sh- Raphael Schutten, for being a fantastic guest. Thank you very much. Thanks for doing all the research and homework. Sarah Coles, thank you. No, thank you, Adam. No, no, thank you. (laughs) Jed, thanks for um, doing all the dials and the engineering. My pleasure. And don't forget. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about carbon farming, I believe, with uh, US uh, carbon farming expert Connor Stedman. We will see you next week. And until then, have all the fun. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.